go. Unhinged. Yeah. Had to do that within a couple hours in the studio and get it done before I faded out. But, uh, yeah, it um, definitely reflects how I was feeling. And then uh, the various uh, creative things that are my signature that, um, you know, only synths can do. Really had a field day in that one and uh, really, I think, got the vibe out of this sort of uh, heavy beat with heavy beats with multiple drums and uh, and then and then in the end there's sort of a not rest but it seems like you know it kind of drives for half of it and then the second half is kind of a refrain could I it's not a refrain musically where you refrain you know back to a chorus or something it's more like uh, a Oh, you know, the, it shifts into a uh, a different gear. It's um, not like a lament, but kind of a, you know, a fatalistic kind of feeling, I suppose, that, you know, like, this is the way it is. So today we have the unfortunate subject matter of following up on a vision I had yesterday, which is... Uh, Really, you know, I just, and this kind of goes along with 2003 and 2002 for me, where I had visions of taking, you know, Americans like supposedly to camps, but then executing them on on a, you know, on a dirt road, uh, having a mass grave already there, bulldozing them in. Uh, that kind of thing. Because in this war, there will be no prisoners. Uh, the FEMA camps, are it's, it's not going to be Red Dawn where there'll be retraining of uh, Americans. They'll be used for uh, others. And uh, be used for training immigrants, uh, not for training Americans. There won't be retraining like there was in Red Dawn. The idea is to uh, kill them all. And uh, the, the, uh, this is the vision from yesterday, is to basically go to door to door killing every American you see. And that those dictates will come down from the powers that be, whoever they are, UN, president, whatever, and um, will also be part of the training of the military-aged immigrants, led by, this time, Chinese masters and, and uh, generals and, and brass, uh, to clear the way for a replacement. And the replacement will be the moving into the houses. And, and, and I know this is a really bleak picture, but, you know, the, the thing is, is that there's a reason for it, and it's not because I'm being negative. And the reason for it is because people are just fucked. And they refuse to look at the truth. Even now, there's like a group of patriots, so what? You need the hearts and minds of Americans to realize there is a 
a battle, and then uh, what will you do to survive? And apparently they're going to do nothing. They're going to watch TV and wait till the end. And, uh, you know, a lot of this is vengeance because the powers that be want vengeance against the Americans now. Even though most Americans did not participate in the rebellion. Any back talk is considered an act of war. Back talk meaning truth. So will that happen or not? I don't know, but see, scary thing for me is that it parallels 2003 and 2004. I, I was the only one on the internet that had the theory at that in that year at that time of replacement. I saw replacement. I saw the America being basically Chinese ruled. In terms of business, you know, managers all Chinese. Chinese uh, being, you know, Mandarin being the main language to supplant English. And, uh, and that would be, you know, your, your takeover. And all the stuff they try to hide and make it look like it's this or that or the other thing. It really becomes this kind of Chinese dominant um, uh, takeover uh, to... Uh, and that includes houses. And I likened it back in 2004. I was able to see it was kind of a, a not unlike the uh, Babylon ca- captivity, where God was mad. Where, where that, they're being hauled away in captivity, and then all the houses were taken over in Israel, in Jerusalem. They were all taken over by foreigners. You know, and then there was the uh, the long slavery in Babylon. Remember, and eventually, uh, eventually it ended. But that long captivity. Now, that was basically. What do you think that judgment was for? People prayed. They went to temple. They went through their. Oh. You know, they felt they were being, had fidelity with God. People say, well, that could never happen here. People are too strong. They're not too strong. People here are easy. You could go up, you could take a neighborhood in, a, in an afternoon, bring your military hardware, your trucks and whatnot, go up and down the street, clear it, get rid of the bodies, and basically move in the next day. Because there's nothing, there's no guns. I mean, there's little guns, I suppose. People have self-defense, but there's no, you know, big guns. There's no missiles. There's no, there's no defense. You were double-crossed by your government. Do people know that? No. They're still busy with the TV and thinking technology is going to evolve us out of all this. But they're intent on it. So 
I hope it's nothing. I hope that vision is nothing, but it's kind of like a door-to-door, no prisoners. And the real big feature of it is, because a lot of people are talking about concentration camps, like, we're going to put Americans in camps. No, they're not. Those will be used for another purpose. <laughs> and, uh, but American doesn't deserve that. We're a praying people. Well, the, the, you know, as Oppenheimer said when he dropped the nuke on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, he said, you know, this will fall on the just and unjust alike. Right? The judgment falls on the just and the unjust alike. I suppose one thing you could have done is got out of America. You could leave. Since you're not willing to defend it, uh, then, you know, why why stay? And, you know, it makes sense to leave. I Look, I don't know what you do. I'm too old to, you know, they come to gun me down. It's, you know, can't complain. I've had my run, run around this whole place. But all I can tell you... And am I impressed? I'm completely uh, disgusted with what I've seen in my life. You know, I'm disgusted with people. I'm disgusted with with institutions. I was disgusted with the hospital system. I mean, that was the biggest joke of all. And, um, but then again, you know, only to be topped by the U.S. military, which is only to be topped by the U.S. educational system. Which is only to be, you know what I'm saying? It's like every institution. Because every institution got rid of God. Presbyterian Hospital in Albuquerque. With the name Presbyterian, meaning Jesus. Okay, followers of Jesus, just not Catholic, just an alternative to Catholic. Okay, Presbyterian Hospital. Um, Looks no different than any other hospital. And I wondered where the... Supposedly, there are priests there, you know, pastors and workers there wandering around giving people last rites and stuff. And I wondered where they were. I thought maybe I might need some. They offered you to talk to chaplains and... They did? I don't remember. Yes, and there was a chapel there. You could have visited if you could have left the floor. Well, I didn't really see him anyway. But, you know, the thing is, is that uh, in terms of um, being a Christian hospital and the attitude of people, you know, the, the nurses and, and, uh, and some doctors toward their patients, which is basically antipathy, you know, and, and not everyone. There, I had a couple of good doctors. Uh, who cared about me. Uh, but mo- mainly, uh, I don't see that. You know, take your drugs this time. Okay, fine. You know, if you don't take it, we, we, you know, the next thing you do, you get a visit by some higher up, you know, instructing you to, you know, take it or blow your insurance or something. And now it's, it's it, you know, uh, wellness by threat, you know, of following every little rule that they decide to, to set down. And I'm, and, and that, rather than doctors talking to each other, really communicating. I had some communicating over my lung issue, but I'm still, uh, after that surgery, 
I'm still not back with 100% capacity. I'm still fatigued because I'm, you know, because it's a lung, you know. And uh, I went through a, uh, what did I go through? I've only been home for two weeks. I went through a major surgery on my right lung to remove a MRSA infection, which is, you know, I guess a form of pneumonia in some way. But it was, uh, you know, an operation. And it was very, you know, big and, and then prevents me from, you know, makes it so that whatever I do, I get winded very easily. And I'm working on trying to build my lung back up. But, I mean, it's uh, basically the lung collapsed uh, with the infection. And um, that's, you know, that's why I don't just bounce back and that's why I don't walk and... You know what I mean? Because I was completely deconditioned. And really, you could make a case for should they have saved me or not. You, you're walking much better. Yeah, much more but, solid. But should they have saved me at my age? Uh, if Bill Gates were in charge right now of that hospital, they would not save me at all. They would throw, the, uh, they would throw it at somebody in the emergency uh, or an ICU. They wouldn't, you know, some young man or young woman in ICU rather than me, you know, um, or any other senior citizen. But I can tell you this, that, and, and it's not the, the hospital itself that, you know, is different. They're all the same. They're all, they're all run by, I, I can't even explain it, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, and it, it's amazing people get well. I suppose what they do is things like surgery, heart surgeries, broken bones, you know, traffic accidents. Really serious stuff is what they're good for. And uh, general health, I would go to a, a shaman. You know, I, I would just go to Jesus uh, for general health to be led because right now the the, the amount of health that I have to get back to live a normal life is massive. It's all on me. You know, it's all on me um, having to uh, achieve a, what I would say a normal life, meaning if I move my arm, I'm not winded. If I walk three steps, I'm not winded. Uh, that sort of thing, you know, getting that. And we don't know where that's going to go, but that's how I was left. And so we're going to have to count now because I'm very much not healed. So what I have to count on now is the God, the Lord, and the human body, the ingenious manufacture of the human body by the Lord to to create a miracle healing. And it, and I have every every belief that will happen because I've seen it already in my walking. I didn't think I would walk at all again. And here I am. I'm walking with a walker, but I'm actually ta you know, taking steps and having more balance. And it shows me that over time, I, I don't know if I'll get off the off a device like the walker. I probably will eventually. But, you know, I feel like I have gotten stronger in that way. But I do need, you know, wind capacity. And I do need... Uh, so I'm blowing up my 
exercising my lung with these devices, trying to get it back. Because you need that air. <laughs> so that's, you know, my update is, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the recovery time and it looks like it's a long haul. But then again, I could have said no to the surgery. I said yes to it. But they didn't give me much of an option. It's like, if you say no to it, we leave the infection there. If you say yes, we get it out, but the, the risk is it's your fucking lung. You know? <laughs> so I really was uh, kind of up against a rock and a hard place. So, you know, so that's, that's the real issue in terms of overall health. And then um, the weakness and the legs and the deconditioning and all that, that all happened due to the infection. And why do I have the infection? I don't know. I, the first time I got infected was by eating something at Starbucks. You know? And it, and it developed into sepsis in my blood, not just food poisoning. You know, whether it was E. coli or I'm not sure what it was in there. But uh, that, we've been battling this thing since May. And, uh, but anyway, so here I am. No, not meaning to complain here of anything, just letting you know my limitations. So, like in the studio, I'm, you know, when I whipped out on, on Hinge, it was really whipping it out. You know what I mean? I was really getting in there and having to be all business and not dream about choruses and backing vocals and cool lyrics. I had to just capture the unhinged because that's basically the picture on Unhinged which is on SoundCloud, that's really what you're facing. You know, and I understand that it's, uh, we, we want to feel like we can win. And, and I have no reason to think we can't other than these visions that I've been having, which, you know, door to door, uh, you know, and, and not even arrest, just door to door gunning down is pretty violent. I mean, that's a really violent image, violent. But I share with you whatever it is, whether the good and the bad. And I know that people, I know this is also a warning. That if you don't wake up, if you continue to participate in this, you know, clown show, then you, you, you're going to be hurt. And I think we can translate the gunning down a door at the doorstep as just, a, you know, a way of enslavement, a way of being hurt. I'm not sure it literally means death, but it's like, you know, know your enemy. These people are, from little kids, they were taught that you're evil. From little kids, they were indoctrinated in South America and other places that you're evil and they're coming to kill you to get rid of the evil so that the only reason they're in poverty around the world is because of you. You're the devil, and now you're the white devil. And you're the ones that have hoarded all the wealth. You're the ones who have, who have hoarded the businesses. You're the ones who made it so these people can't make any money. You're the ones who kept food off of the, uh, off the table of their, of their little ones. You're the ones who starved them. You're the ones. You, 
dirty Americans. You're the ones that caused all the problems in the third world. And so the big invitation comes from the biggest hater of America in the history of all America, in the history of people, one of the greatest people haters of all time who was ever born is Joe Biden. He, I just want to explain that he hates people. His hatred is famous. God knows what he does behind closed doors with people and children and adults. I, I mean, I just, you look at him the wrong way, do you get your head blown off? I'm sure that, you know, whatever happens, you'll never hear about it. But he is an absolute hater of America and America's children and average hardworking people out there that are just trying to get by. He just hates your guts. And every day he plots on how he's going to kill you. And by letting him stay there, you're, you're basically... Uh, aiding and abetting your own murder is certainly your children's murder and indoctrination and separation from the family unit. So this is uh, this is Larry Fink. You know, this is uh, the globalist. This is the WHO, the UN. You know, this is the uh, secret societies. Uh, they've been planning on this sort of, um, you know, one... One, one world consciousness and that humans are nothing but uh, robots to be programmed from the very beginning. Not to be respected. Not to be honored. Not to honor your prayers. But to be so completely ignorant beyond all ignorance that ever occurred anywhere. Stupid people. Stupid. Dumb people. Very, very dumb. Because if you can't see the design in this universe, if you can't see the, uh, the narrative unfold that God is, 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 is giving us, he's really the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who is rolling the story out. Ultimately, he's the one that triumphs over the simulation that they try to give us, the matrix. Having us complacent in our homes playing video games while they run roughshod and rape the shit out of us. Understand, God has another plan. And that plan is to preserve us. At the same time, that plan is not to let people off the hook, who put a middle finger in God's face? You don't pull on Superman's cape, and you don't put a middle finger in God's face! You gotta stand up to that shit now. You can't let people do that. You must stop tackle them, if you have to. You just stop them. It's not a free country I could put a middle finger in God's face. It's a free country, but I can't put a middle finger in God's face, just like I can't uh, yell fire in a crowded theater. I can't do either one of those. Understand? Free speech is not turning people against God. Which is obvious to anyone who has two eyes, any senses, and a brain 
you can see the obvious design, not just in the world itself and the planets and the stars and the beauty of it all, but in our own creations. That's where we're imitating God. We have the same stuff in us, so we create. And you can see design there too. That was never addressed by the big brains of the world. The big scientists, the Einsteins, the Oppenheimers, the, uh, you know, the, 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 who is that crippled one? The Stephen Hawkings and the, they never addressed any of it. Any of it. Zero, zero, zero. None of it. And then every once in a while, a scientist would say, oh my God, God's real. The next thing you know, he'd be shipped off to some, you know, lab somewhere where he'll never be heard from again. You know, just like, uh, just like CERN. You don't hear much coming out of CERN these days, do you? Told you. Stupid is as stupid does. And they're stupid. All of them. Every scientist on that project is stupid. And then you've got the Christians trying to make a big deal out of it. They're opening the portal to hell. Friends, the portal to hell is not made uh, of earthly materials. Let's just keep on being stupid. Let's just keep on being dumb. The things of God let be God. So the things of man, the things of flesh, the things of material, the materialistic world, let it be materialistic. But let the things of spirit be spirit. A lot of what you read about the Bible is spirit. It's of a different substance. But it's still there nonetheless. We see evidence of it in our material uh, blindness. But we don't acknowledge it. I, I just don't see, you know, I don't see how God gets away without punishing the world right now. Larry Fink is going to get a big surprise. And so is the other money managers. So is like uh, Jamie Diamond and some of these other people. They're going to get a big surprise. They're one day going to be, realize it's all been a big mistake. But by then it will be too late. Larry, you dumbass. Everything you think, Larry, is wrong. Along with your buddy Harari and uh, Klaus Fuckface and the rest of them. Everything you think is wrong. Every conclusion you've made is wrong. There is no silicone world. There is no digital world. There is no euthanasia into a digital world where you live forever. There is no such thing. No such thing. Never did and never will exist, Larry. Larry... Did they call you Little Larry when you were a kid? Like on the Big Lebowski, were you Little Larry? Were you a liar? Because you're a liar now. Are you infected by Biden and his hatred toward uh, all Americans? Is your hatred so huge like Bill Gates that you want to get even? So you justify it by coming up with vaccines and other stupid shit to justify your uh, evil toward humans?
Is that it? Why are you all so stupid? Why? If I gave you a test to get into uh, something like a Harvard College or a, a real one, a real Harvard, you know, the way it used to be, let's say. If I gave you a test, you'd fail miserably. Anyone that doesn't know God wouldn't get in at all. Because if you don't know God, then you don't know shit. If you don't know shit, then there's no point. You know, there's no one should listen to you. I delivered a, a legitimate warning today, which echoed my warning of the 2004. That God doesn't see America as a nation that has woken up. That's the important takeaway. Can't we break it down and take that away from it? How do you wake people up? Well, one way is to take away the 401k. I mean, you know, destroy the economic outlook. You know, not for the rich, but for the uh, little, for the middle class. See, I think the reason you haven't seen that is because they're afraid of you waking up. They're afraid because they're not prepared. They're not prepared to pull the trigger. Because they know they'd probably, uh, they might lose. But who's going to win? What about all the people being killed without knowledge of the Lord? Now, is that really hard knowledge to come by the Lord? If you go to Tibet, they know all about Jesus. If you go to Timbuktu, they know all about Jesus. If you go to the vast reaches of the globe, they know about Jesus. How is that possible? The Bible says things are going to go very badly for people that go to other gods. Aliens. There's a big movement now. now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lighten up here. That's 33 minutes of pain. Sorry. Please pray that I get, uh, that I get restored and get well. Thank you. You need energy. I haven't been able to go more than about 30 minutes in one of these. In the hospital, I went two hours. But here, I don't know. I guess I'm going through... I guess it doesn't matter how long I sleep. I'm just fatigued. Do I put a middle finger in God's face? Well, I have. Then I'm left with frustration and self-loathing and self-hatred and further bad feelings and just a big spiral down the tubes. Because I know that God exists. And if I'm not accessing God and I'm not having that conversation and I'm not part of the the God thing, well, then I'm separate uh, because of, of my own um, disobedience in some way. And if that's the case, it's got to be uh, 
figured out what why is that. And then if that's the case, then repentance is due. And if that's the case, are we really able to repent if we're so weak? Anyway, it's useless to say I wish this all never happened. But um, I will say one thing. This thing, whatever it is, this war on American soil, it's coming right to a theater drive-in near you on American soil. So we can figure out right now what do we have to do The armies coming for us are too big. We can't fight them off. So, pray. We're going to have to pray. The big test, the way I see it, is going to be whether you, whether me, whether we, are faithful. Are we faithful to the other? Now I'm with the other guy. I don't know Jesus. Wait, don't kill me. I'm with the other guy. I'm with you guys. I'm a spy. Is that going to work? I'm with you guys. I don't know this Jesus guy. I mean, he's... MAGA people, these, whoever they are, resisting the New World Order. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. They, they look like devils to me. Let me get with the true God, Lucifer. Yeah, baby. Then we'll have some success. Then we'll have a party. Then things are going to be Okay. Then we could put it back on the legendary person. Yes, you did it. You did it your way. And look at you now. Dead, but a dead, but dead, 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 dead. Way to go. So I don't know. It's not a very pleasant vision. And it, and it sparks 2002. A 2004, rather, of uh, replacement. And I, the best defense against any of this is, you know, I have to say it, it's, it's got to be some form of revival. I don't like the word revival because it, it, it brings to mind snake oil salesmen and, and fake tongues and stuff like that. But really... Uh, what else would you call it? We need the Lord. Now, you quiet workers in the Lord, you who don't have churches, you're the, you're the head of this organization. You guys are the actual chiefs. You're the head of it. You're the, you're the leaders. They don't know that, but so when you pray, God moves. Because you're praying for revival. You're praying for more people to wake up. You're praying for people to do the right thing. You're, and, and it has been working. 
to a certain extent. I mean, you know, we've gone beyond this woke thing. It, it did nothing but, you know, blow billions for these corporations. And um, we're now getting into a period of uh, a real standoff between MAGA, Trump, white Christian Republican kind of, you know, force out there. That's one force. And the deep state, which is more powerful than the MAGA state. But the MAGA is not enough. MAGA is a certain group of of like-minded individuals coalescing around Trump. And not everyone's going to have that, you know, everyone has their own opinion. So I... um, that Trump is not the savior. Jesus is. Please remember that. Jesus is the only way out of this. And I've told people this in Los Angeles. I've told them this around the world. And they said, well, how do you know you have Jesus? Well, the first thing you do is renounce your Satanism. Okay, I'm going to take a little break here. I need to...
I'm sorry about that, leaving that on like that. It must have been distorted. Uh, good time for a... Uh, how about a... Coffee, too. Uh, yeah. Well, what I can tell you is sometimes God will take a an unwell person and give them visions and things. And they may not always be pleasant to give out publicly. But uh, then when looking back, we see there's a record. And so this is a warning about the uh, war on American soil that they're, they mainly been holding back on it. And I think it's because of a lot of the awakening. But what it would look like, let me give you a scenario. Okay, say Trump wins the general election and all the Soros gangs, you know, the Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, all the rest of them, of the basically Bolsheviks, they go on the rampage burning down all the cities and stuff. Trump needs more than the National Guard to put it down. He needs to arrest people, but the FBI won't arrest anyone. He needs to function as a president, but no one will let him function as a president. The next thing you know... They blame the entire chaotic event on Trump and arrest him and put in their own people that now demand a, a, a nationwide lockdown of martial law. I know this is scary, but I'm a writer, so I'm, and I'm a fiction guy, so I can really lay it to you straight. I can give you a really great story. And then you got the UN up your butt. You've got patrols going up and down the streets making sure people don't go to work, making sure they don't provide for their families, making sure they don't feed their kids, making sure they don't exercise, making sure they have no hygiene, making sure they have no health care, and basically starving them to death in place. Okay? And all of that is going on as a result of the Trump presidency being war-gamed. The misunderestimation, the underestimation of how big the armies are that are, you know, just pining to get in here and kill us all. The fact that Larry Fink and others feel that they created the U.S. economy they can take it away. They didn't create it. Obama's wrong. Someone else made that happen. No, people that imagined, people that went out and, and followed through on their imaginings, on their inspirations, and built businesses and built things that worked. Even now, there's a tremendous amount of entrepreneurship going on. These people uh, realized that America was a place you could dream up something big, and follow through on it, and you might get it to happen. You might not, too. But if anywhere in the world, this would be the one place where you can make that happen. You make it happen. Your dream makes it happen. 
Your imagining makes it happen. Your labor makes it happen. And when people see that, they automatically get excited and get, want to get involved. And, you know, if it's something good, like, I mean, people come up with a million different variations and apps. How about all the apps? All these guys that come up with apps. It's truly amazing. They all became millionaires. Most of them, if it's popular. And uh, all the app did was simplify something that was more complicated. And that's it, usually. Well, I think about that. I think about that guy that's on TV, that he has the frames, you know, Adam Weiss, and he's the CEO of his little frame company, you know, and he shows you a picture and he says, you know, we can put these in these beautiful frames and have it back to you. Just email it to them. And they, I guess they can also doctor up the picture and they can make it different sizes. And they send you back a frame for your wall. Now that's smart. But it's nothing new. You know, I mean, that that's... You know, who would think anyone could make money doing that? But, you know, you're dealing with a global economy now. You're dealing with, with, a, with a giant internet. Um, there, there are people that are selling... Um, on Facebook, for example, beads that you wear around your wrist, they say, these beads were, written, were worn by the most famous people in the world. And so, wouldn't you like to have some beads? Twenty-four ninety-five, And <laughs> I'm not saying it's all legit, and there's not a lot of uh, snake oil salesmen out there, but I am saying it's a, uh, you know, in terms of... Uh, you know, the American dream possible that someone could make something of themselves in this country where they couldn't anywhere else. And instead of being taught that to these South Americans, to these Ecuadorians, to these, you know, Chile people, to these Brazilians, uh, to the to the Chinese, to the, uh, you know, to the... Uh, to the Africans, instead of teaching that, you know, they're taught that Americans are the are blocking prosperity from everyone else on Earth. So once you get rid of them, you're home free. And in a nutshell, I don't think you'll ever hear it so concise anywhere else on any other podcast. In a nutshell, I just told you the entire issue. In a nutshell, if you can repeat what I said, that will suffice for any argument anywhere on earth. They're taught from, from little babies to hate Americans because they block prosperity. They're the reason that little, you know, little Isaiah here is, you know, little uh, Jose here is starving, okay? And uh, so they come here undercover, and believe me, the 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 all the military age guys are coming. The millions of them, millions now, are being taken. A millions man army, you know, several million. They're being trained by the military. They're taken. We've seen them training. They're being taken in buses, 
and planes and then picked up by military transport, taken to uh, bases and trained to kill Americans by U.S. Army officers, by regular U.S. military, by, you know, I, I mean, it's secret to a certain extent. I mean, you know, certain military bases are not privy to the rest of the military. Compartmentalized for sure. But they're being trained for the uh, for that day when we go into, and they'll be like, well, they're just basically doing martial law because of this new pandemic. We got to make sure people don't leave their houses. Okay. So, how does one stop it? There's only one way to stop it. Guns, we don't have. F-16s, Mr. Biden, we do not have. Nuclear weapons, no, we do not have those either. A desire to raise our families, to to have children, to, uh, you know, do something in the world, to serve the Lord, and wherever that leads... Yeah, we got that desire big time. So what's the problem? Uh, The problem is you're sitting on a coveted piece of real estate. Coveted the entire world over because of the success America has had on everything. And the entire culture of the world is American. Go go to any country. Go to Dubai. Go to uh, Yemen. Go to um, France, go to Russia, and watch television for five minutes. It's all American. Same style, same news broadcast, same frickin' commercials. Same thing. They learn. The world could be America with education, the world could be liberated. And there'd be, in fact, there'd be a need for more children. You think God likes the fact that people in America are withholding children? You want to know one of the reasons they're withholding children? It's not just an act of will. It's because the environment has destroyed sperm rates. Sperm motility rates have fallen to a point of infertility. So there's a need now for... Uh, this has been a, a royal fuck you. Uh, you've been royally fucked over. And what, what are you guilty of? Being able to be free. Not, not everybody took that. Because people didn't want to work hard. Right? They want it given to them. But the ones that do and did, the ones who still read books about other people's success and follow through on their own, who were rewarded, sometimes get 
big fat rewards. More than Job. So, I'm just munching on a banana to keep my energy up. I have edema in my feet, so I have to eat bananas and, and uh, apparently, uh, what is it, pineapple? Pineapple. The Pine- peel of citrus. The peel of citrus, pineapple, and banana. and banana in order to make the edema. And today it's much better, by the way. Drank a lot of pineapple juice. Of course, it's not the most, you know, a little bit fattening, but anyway, how can I, Lord, how can I fix it? What can I do, Lord, to serve you now? I told my vision, and who likes to give a vision like that out? You know, I mean, that's the end of everything right there. But how much tighter can this wheel be turned before something snaps, before the wheels come off or the wires break? How much tighter can it go before somebody makes a big mistake and you have the shot heard around the world? When, when do you think that'll happen? Is it Governor Abbott? In Texas, did Governor Abbott fire the shot by blocking the feds? The other governors following suit? Are they really going to stand up to Biden? You know why they don't stand up to Biden, don't you? There's one reason. Mafia. Biden's mafia. I don't, did you know that? Of course you guys did. Biden is mafia, so when you go against him, somebody in your family dies. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's uh, mafia politics all the way. Biden was uh, undercover dealing with, he, he was tied in with Whitey Bulger. Remember that? who was a white guy kind of tied in with the mob and with the mafia, but there are also ties into the mafia, the Italian mafia, but also the global, the globalist mafia is bigger than the Italian mafia, okay? So he's mafia, and people that tend to be influencers, uh, you might have noticed, get targeted. But they don't just target them. You see, I told you at one point... When, when I was really being gang-stalked myself because I went up against society, I became a traitor to my own, to society. I had a long talk on the phone with Brian Usna, the, the great, iconic uh, genre director of all things horror and producer. People don't realize he began as a producer. But we had a long talk, and he seems obsessed with society and obsessed. I won't say obsessed with me, but he's kind of obsessed with my story. You know what I mean? He really keeps trying to figure out how society works. And part of it is just that he's an intellectual, and he's just, 
he's going to go through that process. But it was a good conversation. And he finally concluded, but you, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't become a socialite. You didn't follow in your daddy's footsteps. You didn't join the, the insurance firm, right? It's either law or insurance, right? <laughs> the two biggest scams. Or the uh, hedge fund, I guess, today, if you're really connected. Or the Hilton Hotels Corporation. You didn't join any of those. You didn't do it. You rejected all. And, I, and I'm like, he was, he, was, he was impugning meaning to my story. Meaning that although I would have liked to have claimed it and been a little Patty Hearst. You know, remember Patty Hearst's Day in the Sun where she joined the symbiotes because she got handled by the Marxists, right? And so she joined the symbiotes Liberation Army and, and, but she just happened to be absent from that shootout down in Los Angeles. Do you remember? Some of you? You old geezers, how'd you, get, how'd you get so old? My goodness. But anyway, I remember watching it live on TV. And then I remember when they wanted to send me away for two years or whatever. Uh, they were telling me this, the ones who were coercing me said, we don't want you to wind up like Patty Hearst. That was exact, those were the exact words. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? I did not consciously do anything. And, um, you know, I had a lot, like I said, I was talking to Brian, and we were talking about a possible sequel to society and other things about society. And it's clear that he's, I don't think he's still at rest. It's at, I think he, he needs to create more about it. He needs to... It's a subject that's, I don't know, it's really near and dear to his heart. It, it's uh, this idea of class systems and um, enforced class. The idea that there's a class that's so implacable that you can't bust through. You can't become one of them. You have to be born into it. And he wrestles with that, and then he wrestles with the idea that somebody can. But then if you do make it, then you're just nouveau riche. Like Elon Musk, he said, he's just nouveau riche. He's not one of them. If you're really one of them, you're in the shadows. You're not in the newspaper. That is exactly right. He had that one 100% correct. The real power is in the shadows, not on the front page of whatever, you know, internet rags going around. Nope. The real power isn't Soros, it's what's behind Soros. The real power are the people not in the limelight. The real power uh, is a closed society in which probably anything but blue bloods need to apply. Or if you're not blue blood, you needn't apply. So we go around and around in this convo, and I said, well, you know, I didn't refuse anything. I, I just, look at little baby Woody, you know, right? Um, 
and then baby grows up into uh, a child. And then somewhere toward puberty, which is usually where the rebellion begins, uh, things are occurring to little baby Woody that are right. And so rebellion begins, but it's on little things. It's it's not refusing to be a socialist, not refusing to, it's just, you're just not the right sort for us. You're just wrong. Something about you is all wrong. And so, you know, growing up from baby Woody into a, a sweet child, I was the guy that was the team player and usually the captain of the team and would, you know, would lead our little teams to victory. But then something happened and the wheels fell off and uh, my mind opened in some way and I, 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 I didn't see the whole world, but I saw that world of high society and I saw the lying and the fakery and the fuckery. I saw all the, the, I saw the whole disgusting, stinking thing at once. And I, you know, I'm not saying I was a Marxist, but I was probably being indoctrinated by the Marxists at that time, trying to get one of them early like me. I don't know, you know, instead of, right, along with child abuse, that's, uh, yeah. Don't think it's only just really young kids. They want to abuse 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds. You know, yeah, what a treat that is. And then they want to indoctrinate you into uh, rebellion. But they do it by showing you the unfairness. I'm talking about teachers, okay? High school, te- you know, grade school teachers. I'm talking about people that would be influential, you know, the coach, the di- different, even your doctors, you know, whatever. And they start whispering in your ear about, uh, look at the iniquity here. Look at the black struggle. Look at the Mexicans, the Hispanics. Look at, look at the, uh, what's happening. I mean, look at how these people in their country clubs, you know, uh, restrict other people from coming in, yet they run the city, right? And all that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, the best thing you could do is drop out and do drugs. So for me, being excommunicated really began early with exposure to, uh, the news, the iniquity, the racism, the, uh, you know, the unfairness. I've always been one about fairness. And so this unfairness thing drove me nuts. And then, you know, if I saw one more, um, you know, doorman hop to it to open the limo door for my grandfather, I think I was going to puke all over him. I'm just so embarrassed to go through things like that. So I obviously was not the right sort of material. 
I was indeed on my way to becoming a terrorist. Probably. But then that all got muted by, well, yes, they have the power to drug you and put you into shrinks and mental hospitals. And My God, when they're done with you, you don't even know your own name. They have money, so they can do all that stuff to you. They can ruin you forever, so that no matter what you say, it's no good. It's tainted. It's not the truth. No matter what you say, it's moot. And, you know, they did the same thing. It's so funny. You know, I watched the Oppenheimer movie, which was a, a great movie going nowhere. I guess that's what you could call it. But they silenced him. He was on Time Magazine cover one day. The next day he was shunted. Shunned. Shunned from all news publication. Henry Luce was a friend of mine, said one of the characters, Shaw, who organized the coup against uh, Oppenheimer. Henry Luce is a friend of mine. That's why I'm on the front page today. The papers have been crooked from the beginning. So here we are. But anyway, to answer that question about society, long before you are invited in or groomed, uh, there need, you, know, you need to be polite. <laughs> you need not to be a hothead like me. You need not to be pointing out inequity in society and unfairness toward you know, ethnic groups, economic groups, uh, disdain the uh, servant opening the door to the limo, or whatever else you need, right? So those little things added up. And then finally, the decision came that this is, we got to suicide this kid. We're going to have to suicide him. So in, in my journey, I had to weather that, which I, I barely did, but I, I did survive. And um, so it wasn't any one thing of refusing high society, refusing socialitism, or refusing, you know, it wasn't anything like that with me. It was just fundamentally, it, it felt like when I finally you know, had another divorce and I was trying to do something with real estate. I was so confused. I had panic attacks. I was turning 30 and I remember I I turned to screenwriting. I figure I was at the right age where I knew enough to write an intelligent screenplay. And I'd been through enough, but I did that as a way to get over my uh, panic attacks. And then the first thing I wrote really out of school, because I wrote something during school, but I out of um, the screenwriting school, the first thing I wrote was uh, society. And basically recounting many incidents and, you know, in, in, you know basically reflecting the gaslighting that I myself had endured as a child. 
and and you know embellishing it and fictionalizing it and you know making it about this kid that had no idea that that's you know that there was this big conspiracy against him and they were all laughing at him behind his back he was a laughing stock and being led to the slaughter all along you know they always win we always win whitney says the character we don't lose he says we always win and that's basically the way it was put to me. You know, you're foolish. Not to, and it really, but, but here's the thing. With me, it was fundamental. Little things. Adding up to big things. It was never, I reject the insurance company, grandfather, because I have other fish to fry. I'm going to join the Peace Corps. There was nothing like that. It was more... This kid's wrong on everything. It's just all wrong. And we got to either try to straighten him out or kill him because he's going to bring the whole ship down. What about all the illegal shit we did with kids? Huh? What about the human trafficking of Chinese girls into the orgy? What about that? We could all go down for all this shit. We can't have him walking around talking. We got to cover it up. I don't care whether you put him on a farm in Kansas or you cut his throat, but something has to happen. And that's really, we got to that critical mass. And that's kind of like where my story went from there. Then there was the whole weird thing about trying to have a reunion. And maybe we can welcome them back in. Of course, they don't welcome you back in. What they do is they welcome you back in. It looks like you're, everything's going well, then there's that unfortunate accident. That just, you know, the brakes just go out. Some kind of weird thing happens. So, you know, uh, a lot of that stuff was motivating me. The unfairness of it all. The complete, total, 100% unfairness of everything was motivating me. And, of course, I feel like I'm sick. I'm crazy. I'm the bad guy. It's all my fault. They're good and I'm evil, is the way I was feeling. So I'd sneak a write at society. I'd write a little bit and I'd hide it and I'd write some more and I'd hide it. Even though I was living alone, I went through a divorce. My wife had moved out. I was living there all alone. Little house in Sherman Oaks. And I just kept you know, writing it, and eventually I started flipping out. <laughs> of course. Of course I flipped out. Of course I started having panic attacks and anxiety. Of course I started uh, having problems, so I, you know, gotten a collaborator to help, Rick, and, uh, you know, providing, uh, I guess I was having trouble seeing it through to the end with a boy of sacrifice. Of course, he wins in the end. But what does he win? Listen to this. Society still goes on without him. He wins his freedom. Not if they can catch him in a, in a compromised position, he didn't. Not if they get him in a dark alley, he didn't. Not if they get him in the back of a car, he didn't. Not if they ever see him again, they didn't. He's free 
But from what? We don't know. That's where the story ends. That's where the story ends. Well, I'll be talking with Brian more about it as we have a collaboration of a... Uh, we just finished the Society novelization, which is going to be done, as, as I understand it, as a big... There'll be a collector book of maybe a 1,000 copies, which will have illustrations, pictures, all kinds of stuff in there. And uh, then there'll be a, um, a, a regular... Hardcover. There may be no trade paperbacks. I'm not quite sure there'll be one, but it will be some kind of collector's thing. And that's it's finished. It's just it's really up to Brian Eusner whether when he wants to put it out there. But there was an article about it in Fangoria, and he really wanted me. I wrote the first draft of it, and I then served as an editor, and then he wrote a draft, and we both. We both had our say in it. You know, I think it's, well, the shunting part is way more graphic than, uh, than the movie. In fact, it's probably better than the film in the sense of, um, I, you know, it, it follows it exactly. Anyway, if you're a fan of the film, fan of what it says, basically what it says is society is unfair. Okay, and it's evil. Can I say that much? And so the government's unfair. Washington is evil. And so uh, Pfizer's unfair. And Pfizer is evil. And all these people have muscle. And all these people can uh, break the law and, and without, with impunity. And nobody gets in trouble because they own all the regulatory agencies. They got them all in their back pocket. As George Carlin says, it's a big club and you ain't in it. That's all. But when you're that close to evidence, when you know things you shouldn't know, as I guess I did, I didn't know I did, but I guess so, that's when it gets dangerous. That, well, dangerous for you. That's when the gang stalking happens. That's where you... You're driving along the desert, pull off the gas station, and they know who you are. Scary enough? You're driving, you fly all the way to Hawaii for a little vacation. The bartender says, we know who you are. There are people taking pictures of you while you're walking around. You don't know who they are. They scamper away. And this, this is what people call classic gang stalking. Classic. It can even get to the point of, you know, getting in your house, rearranging your furniture, cocking your gun, uh, stealing stuff, sending up stories about drugs and whatever, all kinds of stuff, ruining reputations, using electronic hardware like infrared and other things, beam weapons, microwaves, to basically beam you, you know, through your walls. And on and on and on. And then I told you at a certain point, and I was 100% accurate, 
those, some of you may remember, I said, gang stalking is going to go mainstream. You watch. And it did. You don't hear that many tales of the little guy that's going to say, it's always, it's now, it's the big guy. It's the big warfare. And it's all in your face. And they're doing everything. They're bringing everything to bear on it. Electronics, 5G, drugs, hospitals. You name it, they got it going on. And anybody that steps out of line today gets the full force of this gang stalking, which, like I said, went through a prototypical period of gang stalking individuals who were anathema. You had a lot of black people being uh, gang stalked. And that's because they felt they were dissidents. Because, believe it or not, there's a lot of black people out there that don't really like our society. <laughs> and for good reason. And they got targeted even though they didn't do anything wrong. Because of the way they voted, because of whatever, you know, figuring they were disgruntled with society in some way. Okay, so all of those people, they, they all got dealt with and they, you know, went through their routines of finding people to stock you on the bicycle and then gather at the corner, you know, gather in the Walmart, whistle, grunt, and groan around you. That's their favorite thing. They want you to notice they're there, so they want to whistle and they want to go, uh, 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 and make noises like that. So you know they're there. I haven't forgotten how bad it got. It got so bad. But you know the worst thing about it all? Is your movers and shakers. People in the Christian world. People I met along the way as I gave my life to Jesus. And I gave my life to God and I just surrendered. I didn't really even surrender. I was just home. But anyway... A lot of the people I met in Christendom, they were all gang stalkers. They were all in the system. They were all evil, every one of them. I know you wanted me to name names. I, I named some. All right, here's one Jerry Jenkins. Right? The author of Left Behind. Classic handler. Uh, Michael Heiser. I'm just naming people that are connected and, you know, have their affiliations and basically operate as handlers and gang stalkers. And all, you know, I don't even want to go into it because, well, how is he, you know, connected? Maybe he renounced it and you know, and maybe they did. But these were people I had little, you know, confrontations with. And um, it's amazing when they bring the gang... See, they told me they're afraid of being gang-stalked themselves. So they, they have to turn against you to show those people they're not part of your problem. And what's my problem? My problem is uh, I'm, I'm with Jesus. 
So I'm being gang stalked and they're not. Now what about that? How fake is all that? Anyway, all that gang stalking kind of ended because I just uh, proved that not only does it not work, but I just, I have such disdain and, and you know, outright laughter toward these clowns that, uh, that I, there's nothing, unless they're going to kill me, there's nothing more to say about it. You know what I mean? Unless they're going to kill me, there's really nothing more to say except they're idiots. They're fucking retard idiots. People that I just laugh as you walk past. Or the best thing to do is you, they start grunting in, in one of the aisles. At the store, you do it right back to them. Flip them off. I remember one time we're in the Safeway Market in Maui. Remember that? Yeah. And they were starting in trying to block our cart. And no matter where you went, they'd be blo- you know, it'd be like an organized group of them. And I'm like, how can they be over here? But they were. So the antidote was laughing at them. And when we laughed at them, what did they do? They scattered. They wanted to know, well, what do we do now? It doesn't work on them. Unless you're willing to kill, get the fuck out of here. Unless you want to take it to the limit. And I'll point, you're nothing but a, 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 you're nothing but clown world. That's all you are, just a pathetic <laughs> loser of a human being. Somebody who couldn't get a job unless you sold out to the lowest level of shittiment, government. And, you know, did what they said. Proving you're just a low life and a loser. And, you know, they get a lot of ex-cons working for them because ex-cons can't get a job. So they offered to pay them, you know, to, to go harass somebody in the parking lot. Yeah, that happens. And I can have compassion for the ex-con because, shit, you know, that guy deserves to have a job and he doesn't get one because society is completely prejudiced. But that's more the exception rather than the rule. Usually these people are, uh, I mean, I admit most of them are uneducated. They're lower middle class, if that. They're um, people from your, you know, from the neighborhood that you might have recognized. They like to ride their bike by you every five minutes, acting like they're staring. Another thing you can do is just get out there and push the bike over. I mean, you know, you can do something. You don't have to sit there and marvel at it. They try something, you do something. You know, you could get confetti and throw confetti at them. A completely nonviolent thing to do. They won't hurt anybody. But it will scare the crap out of them. Well, we don't have gang stalking anymore like we did. Now it's strictly reserved for mega targets, you know, MAGA targets, whatever, you know, and people that are involved in that. So there's not enough gang stalkers to really go around anymore. And But I, I went, Trish and I went through our share 
And the reason we were stocked is because we were really in the Lord and Lord in us. And we had the Holy Spirit and uh, we had, uh, that's all we knew in life. We didn't know their side. You know, we were, you know, that made us, that put us in a certain category. And then, oh boy, they, that's unacceptable to them. They weren't having that. And uh, their attitude is, you don't tow the line, you get killed. And that's exactly where we are today on a massive scale. You don't tow the line with the globalist world order agenda. They got you in their crosshairs. It's, whether it's the IRS, oh yeah. Whether it's the FBI, whether it's SWAT teams, that's gang stalking today. Okay? But we went through it, and I reported on it accurately the whole time I was there. The unfortunate thing is, many Christian contacts that you guys listened to were part of it. And uh, it revolved around, remember Quail, same thing. And, you know, Russ Dizdar and all that, I think he passed away, but... uh, same thing with him. And Russ, poor Russ. Yeah. He was a good guy. He just was weak. He wrote a um, weak meaning, you know, he, he was going to do whatever Steve Quayle told him to do. But basically, he wrote a blurb in my book, Lamb. And he was really earnest about it. It was a really heartfelt message. And, um, but then he you know, had to turn against because Quayle told him to. Yeah, I used to have some really nice conversations. Yeah, yeah, Quayle told him that, that, you know, if you... With Russ. Right, so Quayle told him and Tom Horn, and I think he's dead, too. Tom was was one of the... Dead to dead, 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 dead. He was one of the more nice... Yeah, well, he told me all about this plot. Yeah. And he told me all about Quayle and Russ and himself and he was basically saying either toe the line with quail or you're going to be run out of town <laughs> I bet you never heard that before kind of makes you wonder doesn't that about buying some of these books kind of hurts the faith don't it kind of hurts the faith don't it it sure does. It hurts the faith because you see a guy that should be straight up with Jesus and no other alignments. And then they write the book and it was like that guy, remember that guy that wrote the Pyramid of the Apocalypse? Patrick, whatever, the Irish guy? Yeah. He was, oh man, we had arguments. He was all caught up in that whole fight. And his premise was that there's no way that the the pyramid at Giza was other than, you know, made by the uh, the angels or made by God. 
or something to that effect because of the uh, accuracy of the, uh, uh, you know, of the coordinates. And um, it was fine, but I mean, he didn't take any kind of criticism very well at all. Um, and again, believing that is a matter of faith as well. And I, you know, I don't know where, where I wound up on the issue. I really don't care. You know, it's just not, not something I really uh, am going to go research because I, I think there's plenty of evidence that God made a lot of things. And God deals with the whole world, you know, not just Christendom. The whole world. God made the whole world. You know, God made the whole world that ended up making all these religions, including Christianity, which is another man-made religion in a lot of cases that doesn't serve anybody, especially not God. So we have problems here. And that's why I say, let me come all the way back full circle. You guys are the leaders. They know it deep down because they know you're not on their side. So the only default position for you is leader. You're the person. And when will you get your lead, leadership where you will be a physical leader? Who knows? It's not really necessary. You're the leader. They know it. You know it. So you're following the Lord and you're fulfilling your destiny, aren't you? It may not be enough for you. You may want to do more, but you're you're bent in that direction, you know, to be a leader of the Lord, to be somebody out front and you're ministering to the lost and you're being an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're realizing that people don't get saved on their own. People that uh, find Gaia don't get saved. People that embrace the uh, world of consciousness and meditation and, and uh, transcendental meditation are not, that salvation's got nothing to do with any of that stuff. But people that want to break the chains of this world by getting rid of negativity, salvation does go in there and say, you can't do it on your own and breaking the chains of negativity by saying positive affirmations. You need to be saved. Salvation through faith given by grace of Jesus Christ. It's just something you can't get around. Believe me, I've tried every which way. There is no other way. I have tried, well, there's, you know, you think you're so arrogant. You think all you got to do is turn to Jesus and it's all done. How do you know Jesus will accept you? You people that think, oh, I just wait till the last minute. No, you can wait till the last minute and say, Jesus, I'm with you now. And hear nothing back. One big radio silence. Then how are you going to feel? The Lord's made it clear that a lot of us are here to be tested, especially our loyalty. 
this is what it comes down to. I've, I've forgiven, I have forgone a tremendous amounts of opportunities out in the world and opportunities, even though they're accepting Jesus movies. <laughs> Standing joke is, what do you think? What do you think Angel Studios thinks about me? Think we could be friends? Oh, we we just embrace each other. I could be like a little, I could be like the wandering prophet guy. You think you think that would ever happen? And why not? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with them? Why is there a chasm? Gee, I don't know. Why is there a chasm between so many groups of people and so many things? You know, this is, this is the stuff that Jesus has to heal. You know, we can't go with a bunch of different ideas and, and impose them on Christ. It just has to be Christ, for real. We can't go with, you know, a million different interpretations of the book of Revelation or the, you know, the book of Matthew or the, you know, or the book of Isaiah or the book of Ezekiel. We can't do that. There has to be one way. And all agree because it's not us. Because it's not our way. We agree there is a way. We see it. So we agree on it, but it's not from us or we would never agree on anything. And I know people mature at the rate they mature. Like some people are, they need a lot of rules. Other people are like, well, I'm saved, though I'm a sinner. Of course, sometimes I keep sinning, which shouldn't be. I like it when sins just fall off. Well, when you get older, you'll figure out what that means. Sin takes energy. <laughs> I think that's basically it. Uh, but anyway, don't think too much about this war on American soil. I think you're all prepared. You guys are all ready. We're all set. We are ambassadors of Christ. We have been doing the hard work during the time of persecution. But there needs to be more. There must be more. There must be much more. Many more people are needed. I have... I read a, an interesting statement by uh, one of our sisters in Christ this morning. Yeah. She said, there'll never be a civil war until Texas makes their own currency, and they'll never allow that. I thought that was an interesting take. Could be. She didn't say never be a civil war. She said until. Yeah. Something like that happens, which could happen. Uh, I, I wouldn't play fast and loose with this civil war business. I would get as prepared as you can and understand. Yeah. 
understand, here's the biggest preparation, you know, after you have a, a few MRE meals lying around. Biggest preparations within. Yeah. In you. When you come to peace with it. People are wicked around us, folks. And we can't help what they do, like living in Sodom and Gomorrah. You could, we can leave, we can walk out. But the guns wouldn't all be turned on us unless there was a judgment of God, is what I'm saying. That's what I think it is. Replacement is judgment. I don't think replacement is an accident or that, you, you know, it's something that's just happening and God isn't stopping it. It's No, God is not, uh, not stopping it. it. It's being allowed to go forth. And that is, in my opinion, due to the spiritual cancer in America that has made it from the greatest nation to the worst in, you know, meaning the weakest in a short period of time. It's not that short of a period of time. I mean, I noticed it when I was a child. Yeah. I'm an old lady now. I noticed it right away when I was a child. As soon as I learned how to read, I noticed it. You know, I see all these billboards. That was at age four. I see billboards on the I-40. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is Messiah, you know, things like that. On the rural, on the sticks, you know. You see those kind of posters. And they all seem like, I think of the guy posting some fanatic, you know, like like those are cheaper out that way. You know, when you're way out away from the cities. I like the handmade ones. You know, but you, you think of some old geezer some crazy crackpot putting that up there. You don't think that that's a conscious individual, maybe somebody young who's just trying to spread the gospel, putting up a positive message on a billboard. You don't think that. And the reason I don't think that is just because it's by programming, and we all have programming, whether we like it or not, jumps to this old geezer guy, sticking it up there. And, and I don't... That's wrong. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. It could be your brethren. It could be your kid. I like it. Well, I like them, but I'm saying what people are thinking when they see that, they see, you know, 20 miles to go and you've got hotels and casinos and all this shit. And then there's this Jesus loves you and is the, the only way to salvation is Jesus, our only hope. You see that on your way into the casino, and it's, it's not really doing much to put your brakes on. Somebody put that out there. And, you know, they don't need to be thought of as some cliched old geezer who otherwise would have a placard on the corner acting like a fool. And it's okay to act like a fool for Christ. But, I mean, acting like a fool that everyone's saying is a fool, you know, putting up that billboard. It's probably a very conscious individual putting up that billboard to try to combat all the casinos and naked girls and whatever else is running around. All the sin. Because now you pull into New Mexico, what is the first thing you get hit with? Sin. Sin City. Casinos. And, you know, with the casinos come the prostitutes and the, you know, you know I the do. drugs. And, the, you know, you could really get yourself in trouble in one of those places. You could 
get yourself high on drugs, into it for thousands of dollars through a hooker, in trouble with the, and if you can't pay it, they just shoot you. Okay, I don't want to think about that. That's really depressing. You know, I noticed during your hospital stays here, there, and everywhere, uh, as I was stumbling around, mm-hmm. I ran into so many people that were just so tuned in. They knew yeah. what was going on. They knew the Lord. They were helpful to everyone that they met. I was amazed at the numbers compared to, oh, yeah. I mean, or maybe it was just those people I was supposed to connect with, but there was a lot of them. They knew. They even people working in the hospital, like the guy that's in the gift store. Well, the hospitals. I was I was, I was complaining to him that uh, they they provided only fluoride toothpaste in the. Uh, yeah, the in hospitals uh, are very very conformed to the fact they are society. So you're dealing with society there. There's a big spiritual battle going on there. That's There's a big spiritual battle. That's for sure. you got to try to align yourself with the good people, which I'm happy I met some. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there, there's, you know, evil people. And uh, boy, get out of their way if you can. I almost got killed by one of them. And then there's, you know, got a friend there. He's my spy in there. But he's, no, he's uh, on fire for the Lord. And there's quite a few people I met that were uh, with the Lord. Mm-hmm. They, they would tell me, oh, yeah. hey, I love your tattoo. Yeah. I'd say, are you one of us? Yeah. Yeah. And that was always a great feeling. Yeah. That one uh, nurse assistant, assistant, as soon as she saw your tat, she was like, oh, I love your tat. I want one just like that. Yeah. It just says Holy Spirit. Well, it was something very positive. All right, folks. Love you. Praying for you. Good please to see everybody. Please pray that I get my, you know, some kind of lung capacity back so I can breathe. And you know, and uh, well, I am a mess. You're doing a lot better, Jeff. This this thing is really helpful. You're doing a lot better, and your strength and balance is much better. It really is. Yeah, but how did I get Starting there? about two days ago, he started, um, instead of like small steps, he started using regular steps on the walker. And I hold on to the strap while he walks. All right, everybody. He's going up and down the stairs. He's really getting independent. Woohoo! Complete healing, Zeph. Yeah, but God knows how they left my lung. They cut into it. I mean, who knows how long it's going to be before that thing is breathing again. It'll happen. All right, here we go. God bless you, each and every one. Lord, give strength to all the lambs. Everybody tune in here, please. Show show them the way to leadership, Lord. That you who are not connected to the churches are the leaders of Christendom. And without putting pressure on them, Lord, guide them into all good things 
in all good ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All